I'm Ali Wine, a senior analyst on the global macro team at Eurasia Group. And I'm Natasha Kassam, a research fellow in the public opinion and foreign policy program at the Lowy Institute. Natasha, you recently, uh, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to talk with you, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big, big fan of your work, so it's a pleasure to finally get to talk with you. I, I wish we were doing this in person, but I'm glad that we're talking nonetheless. Um, I, I wanted to reflect on a piece that you recently wrote for the Australian uh, Financial Review and, um, and, and get you to reflect on a particular observation you make in there. Um, so you, you observe in this piece that unlike in the past, quote, now it seems that Beijing is openly demanding political compliance from not just the Australian government, but the free press and academia too, end quote. And, and of course, you, know, you were talking about China's relationship and its interactions with Australia, but you know, Beijing has also adopted a more assertive stance towards many other countries in and beyond the Asia Pacific. And this so-called wolf warrior diplomacy seems to be undercutting uh, China's diplomacy. It seems to be undercutting a lot of China's uh, relationships with, uh, with, with major powers. So, What's your explanation for its course of behavior? Why do you think that China is doubling down on a diplomatic course that at least at first blush would seem to be quite counterproductive? Well, thank you so much for having me, Ali. As you know, I've been a big fan of yours as well. And look, this is the question. In Australia's case, it's clear that it is counterproductive insofar as Beijing is trying to change Australia's behavior. We've seen aggression has only served to harden these attitudes in Australia. Public opinion has soured dramatically. And there are even those in the Australian business community that used to advocate for more engagement with China that have now largely been silenced by Beijing's aggression. Mm. But there are other reasons, I think, that China could be pursuing this hard line. I mean, one is to make an example out of Australia. So encouraging other countries to presumptively defer to China's interests. I think there's also this attempt by China to kind of uh, divide and conquer amongst uh, allies and partners of the United States. And so China on some level is trying to drive sunlight between Australia and the United States position. And the same can be said in the region. But the other thing I just say is it appears in the case of Australia and other countries that have not been deferential to China's interests, that China's leaders may feel genuinely aggrieved by some of these decisions and are lashing out. And so in some way, it can be seen as a bit irrational. And it's interesting. I mean, you cite a number of factors that could be contributing. So it's it's not necessarily a, a monocausal or monovariable explanation that there are a number of potential contributors to, um, to China's conduct. And I'm curious if you, do you anticipate that as this backlash uh, intensifies, at least among a certain set of you know, major powers, you look at the sterner disposition that that Brussels is taking, uh, sterner disposition that uh, you know many of China's you know neighbors are taking, you know, including Australia. Do you do you get a sense based on your conversations and your research that uh, among uh, sort of China's top foreign policy officials that there are any incipient signs of recalibration that China might be recalculating the the prudence of its d- diplomatic course, or do you think that? it seems intent on doubling down despite what seem to be the self-evident ramifications. To date, it does seem that they are intent on doubling down. There are a number of things going on here, but I think in Xi Jinping's China, it's very hard to dissent or to convince senior officials that the track they're on is not the best one. At the same time, you know, I think there's an argument to be made, and perhaps it is being made inside Beijing, that this more aggressive, you mentioned the wolf warrior diplomats, 
are on some level gaining the respect that China feels that it deserves. You know, we're all talking about China, we're all reacting, we're wondering how China will react. And in in many ways, China is now leading the conversation. Mm -hmm. And in the future, as it becomes the world's largest economy, it's already a peer competitor to the United States. I think what it is aiming for is through these very strong responses and being able to call the shots is to have its system be respected and seen as an equivalent that is just as good as the kind of liberal democratic system that we've been pushing on our side of the world. And and if we expand our, I mean, you, you mentioned China's growing economic heft, and I wonder, you know, we've been talking about some of the backlash that China has provoked among at least you know, major powers, advanced industrial democracies. But if we expand the aperture beyond that, uh, that subset of countries, um, how, what kinds of inroads do you think that China is making or, or might be capable of making in vast swaths of the developing world on account of its just its its growing economic heft, its technological strides, and and perhaps um, making inroads in countries that don't want, they don't feel beholden to uh, sort of great power competitive dynamics. They don't want to see a repeat of the Cold War. Do you think that the backlash um, outside of that subset of countries we've been discussing? Do you think the backlash there is as pronounced, or is it perhaps more muted? Well, I think we shouldn't underestimate the extent to which many developing countries are pleased to see what was once a fellowing sorry what was once a fellow developing country take its place as a superpower in the world and at the same time china really works very hard in the developing world in times of providing assistance of course mm -hmm. we've seen the belt and road initiative and at the same time the united states has really vacated a lot of those spaces in the last four years thank you so much this was really a privilege to talk with you Thank you. Sorry, 